good to be here tonight, and thank you for that song and, and all the songs. Appreciate those. And we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 23 tonight. Leviticus chapter 23. This might be the first time I ever preached out of the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Just to be honest, I don't know. I don't recall ever preaching out of the book of Leviticus, but <laughs> start getting into the law, it's... Um, We've been saved from the law, right? We've been, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And, but um, Lord being our helper tonight, we're uh, going to talk about the feasts, the feast of the Lord. Um, we're going to talk about what the feast represented and, and, and what it represented to the children of Israel, but also what it represented prophetically to us as, as Christians today. And with the Lord's help, um, I'm probably not even going to, I'm barely going to scratch the surface probably, but with the Lord's help, we'll, maybe we can see some understanding and, and see Josh preach a little prophet, prophetically this morning, and we're going to continue on with that theme tonight, a little prophetically preaching tonight about what we can maybe look for and what we can see in the prophecies of this, of the feast of the Lord. Um, Prophecy is really just, um, is really, the, these men that have been set aside to tell what was going to happen in the future and, and what things we're gonna, what we can look forward to. And, and Jesus tells us in, even in Matthew chapter 24 that when you see these things are coming, then know that the day of the Lord is, is nigh, it's very soon. And I mean, he tells us to look for those things, to be looking and waiting and watching for these things, and, and we should be uh, readily to knowing what those things are, and, and Lord, help me to know more of what those things are. But we, we could uh, study that, and, and like I said, I, I'm probably not the, I'm not the prophetic preacher. I don't really, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things I, I have yet to understand, and there's a lot of things that I probably won't ever understand, but I'm not, like, I don't say, I wouldn't call myself the prophetic preacher, but we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight, and, and I don't know if it's going to be preachy. It might be more teachy than preachy, but we'll, uh, we'll let the Lord have his way tonight, and these are just things that I've been, I've been studying, listening upon, and things that I've heard, uh, things that I've been listening to, and, and things that have really uh, perked my ear up a little bit. So let's, uh, we're going to dive right into this a little bit tonight in Leviticus chapter 23, and we're going we're to deal with each one of these uh, uh, feasts of the Lord, but it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. So we're going to, I don't think I'm going to read all of chapter 23. We'll just go through and hit the feast. And the feast that we can probably look forward to the most is maybe the Feast of the Trumpets. And we'll talk about that a little bit. The feasts are not, they're not necessarily physically, physical feasts like they got together and had this great big meal. A lot of times they were mainly spiritual feasts where they could come and feast on the Lord spiritually. They could, you know, re, they could reunite with one another, praise the Lord, worship the Lord for the things that He had done. And these, these feasts here were set up by the Lord as a yearly reminder to the children of Israel of how God was, has been so good to them throughout the years. 
Uh, they were also put into place to cause the people to rejoice for God and what God had done for them. And they were, and number three, they were put into place as prophetic pictures of what God would be doing with Israel and us as well. So there's some things there. I don't want everybody to think that these, these feasts are just for the children of Israel. If we look at it prophetically, there's a lot of things that includes us prophetically, especially being the children of God, right? When we, we talk about prophetic prophecy and things that are to come, a lot of those prophecies include the children of God. And that would be us, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I'd like to say we have one more member in that family as of Wednesday. Hayden gave his life to the Lord Wednesday night. So he's going to take part in all these prophetic feasts, so, so to speak. But um, the prophetic pictures, these prophetic feasts were in chronological orders, meaning that feast number one happens, then number two, then number three, then number four, then number five. Six and seven, and so on. So the first, the the feasts were there were seven feasts, which in spirit and scripturally the number seven is a, the number of completion. So we see that these seven feasts is the number of completion, and we'll see that that in the prophetic part of the feast, you'll see the completion of these things, and then after the seventh feast, that's pretty much prophetically. That's that's the you know before the new heaven and the new earth comes down, uh, comes down. But we'll see that here. We'll get into that a little bit here tonight. So number one feast in verses, um, verse number four and five is the feast of the Passover. The feast of the Passover. Now we know the Passover and Israel. We know what the Passover. We know the story. Of, if we don't know the story of the Passover, just a quick summary: as when the children of Israel were in, in bondage in Egypt. Now they had all the plagues. Moses had came to to the Pharaoh and asked Pharaoh to let his people go, and God sent the plagues on Egypt. Well, the last plague was that he was going to kill the firstborn of those that didn't mark the doorposts with the blood of the the lamb. So, and that prophetically is is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. So those that those the death angel was going to come through Egypt, and the death angel was going to kill the firstborn of every family if the blood wasn't applied to the doorpost of the house. So prophetically, if Jesus' blood is not applied to the doorpost of your heart, then you are going to suffer the wrath of God. So you will suffer an eternal death in hell. So, prophetically, this is the feast of the Passover, is prophetically Jesus Christ dying on the cross. That was Him. He was, he was providing the blood. He was providing the blood that we could be passed over by the judgment of God. And, and, and the, the second death, which the Bible refers to it as the death in hell. So, the, prophetically, the feast of the Passover was... For the Israelites, it was to celebrate what God did in Egypt when he let the death angel pass over the houses that had the blood applied. But prophetically, there was Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins. So that was the feast of the Passover. And the feast, of the second feast here is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread for the Israelites was they would go through and take every, every bread that had leaven in it, they would try to clean out their house of all the leaven. And leaven is a representation of sin. Sin and leaven, was the re- that was what leaven represented was sin. So it was in, in Israel, they thought 
this is a time to go through, clean out all the leaven or sin from their life. To take it out of their house, to get all the sin out of their house. They were being obedient to God in removing the sin from their house and removing that. So that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's what they did leading up to this Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this was commemorating the removing of sin. So prophetically, this happened after Jesus died. So now, we can go to Jesus and He can remove all the sin from our house and our, our lives. So that's prophetically, that was Jesus dying on the cross and forgiving us of our sins. Now that when we come and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He's removing all the leaven from our lives. He's removing all the sin from our lives. So prophetically, that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, removing the sin from our lives. So those two feasts have already happened, for sure. Because Jesus died on the cross, and now Jesus is forgiven, forgiving those of sins. He's removing sin from people's lives. Um, the next feast is the number three, is verses, let me see, verse 9 through 14, is the feast of the first fruits. Now this feast is where they would bring the first fruits of their harvest or their their crop, and they would bring it to the priest, and the priest would present it to God as saying, this is our first fruits of our crops. This is the first fruit of their harvest. And they're saying to God that they believe that if they gave him the first of their fruits, that he would bless the rest of their harvest. Now, that's where we get tithing from. That's where we, that's where we would, that, that, that would apply to our life today is saying when God gives us a paycheck, we give him the first fruits, the, the first 10% of our, our paycheck because that's where tithing comes from. We're giving him, offering up to him the first fruits of our pay of what he's rewarded us with. So he's given, this is where the, what they did back then. They would give, temp, they would give the, the first fruits of their harvest to the Lord, knowing and, and putting their faith that God was going to bless the rest of their harvest. So they did that and saying, God, we'll, we believe that you're going to bless us. We believe you're going to give us an abundance of a harvest. You're going to bless what we, what you're, you're going to provide for us, right? So he said, we're going to offer this to you so you'll provide for us later. Right? Pretty good deal. Right? Give him 10% and you get the rest of the 90, the 90% that's left, right? Pretty good deal. But prophetically, this happened three days after the Passover when Jesus resurrected. So Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. So he's the first one to receive his glorified body and resurrect. He's the first one. He was the first to be resurrected in his new body. He is the tithe or the symbol of the harvest yet to come. And you know who the harvest yet to come is? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're that harvest. Because we're, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. But one of these days, we're going to be the second wave of the harvest. We're going to be the second to be resurrected. So we're part of that second wave of the resurrection. And we are the harvest to come. But he was offered as a symbol or a tithe to the harvest yet to come. And we are the harvest yet to come. So that was the harvest of the first fruits. And number uh, four is the harvest of Pentecost or the harvest of the wave loaves. Um, that's in uh, verse 15 through 22. And the harvest of this is... This happened the 50 days after the Passover. So this is 50 days after Jesus died on the cross. 
the first wave of the harvest came in and, and the Israelites, they, the first wave of harvest came in, they would rejoice that all their needs were met and supplied by God. That was what the, the, the Feast of Pentecost meant to them as they would go out into the fields and they would see the abundance of harvest that, that God had provided for them and they would praise God and worship God because He had supplied everything that they needed. Now, prophetically, this was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. To think that in Acts chapter 2, um, you think about Acts chapter 2, and they, and God, Jesus said he was going to send another comforter, and that comforter being the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was poured upon all those people in the upper room, giving us what, all that we really need is the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and direct us and, and help us throughout life. But he gave us the Holy Spirit, and he gave those men in the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit. And Peter got up to preach, and, and look at the first wave of the harvest here. 3,000 souls were added to the church there on the day of Pentecost. And the, that was the, the birth of the church right there on the day of Pentecost. Is 3,000 souls were saved on the day of Pentecost. And... That was the Feast of Pentecost, though that's already happened. So the feast of the, the first four feasts have already happened. Those of first four out of seven have already happened. We see them in Scripture. We see prophetically they've already happened. They've, this is a great long timeline of these seven feasts have to be fulfilled. And, and, and prophetically have, need to be filled, fulfilled. So all the first four of the seven have been fulfilled, which brings us now to the next trumpet that will be coming soon, I believe soon, the Feast of Trumpets. Now the Feast of Trumpets, the, uh, the Jews, that, that, that would be uh, verse 23 through 25. There's really only three verses in the Bible that really talk about it. There's not a whole lot said about it. And the Jewish people, even, even them, they're, they're a little... They're a little, they have a little mystery about it. They're like, well, we don't really fully understand what the Feast of the Trumpets are. We don't really understand what it is. So what they do is they blow a trumpet, they all go to the tabernacle, and they praise God. They're like, really don't know why we're doing this, but we're doing it. Now this would lead me to believe that this would all be, there's all kinds of mystery about it because if you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, We'll read another, about another trumpet. But for the Lord himself, this is, this is the rapture of the church. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the reason why I believe this is a mystery to the Jews, not only does, the, does Jesus say nobody knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man cometh. There's mystery to that. Not only that, but the Jewish people do not even believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So why would the Jews understand what the Feast of the Trumpets really was? They don't understand because they don't, they don't believe in the rapture of the church yet. Because they don't believe their Messiahs came yet. So there's a lot of mystery to it because that's just, I mean, that's just the Jews don't, Jewish people don't believe it. They don't believe that Jesus has already came. They don't believe that, I guess they don't really believe that the rapture is going to happen anytime soon because they're still waiting on the Messiah. Plus, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man cometh. So the trump, Feast of the Trumpets is the next trumpet to sound or the next feast to take place. And the, the verse in 
We'll read this verses. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of the blowing of trumpets, and holy convocation. Ye shall do, so, do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So the words holy convocation there is the word migra, and it means a message addressed to a specific recipient and is intended to elicit a, a specific response or translated to proclaim or invite. Now, not everybody's allowed to come to this, right? You, thought, you, go, back to, you go back to when Jesus was uh, using the parable, talking about the, the, the master who was putting on the wedding supper, and he was inv- going out to try to invite people to come in. They were all too busy to come. And all those that were too busy to come, that represented the Jewish people who didn't want to come, that, that don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So then he said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. So this, this is just a representation that, hey, not everybody's going up in the rapture. Just those who put their faith and trust in trust. Just those that have been invited. Right? I like, I'm glad I'm one of those that's been invited to in, in that day. And there's so much more to that that I really just ran out of time and taking notes and not wasn't able to, to write down a whole lot of that. But they, there was the first day of the month, and that's when they, they sell, that back in those days, they celebrated the new moon, and there was only a certain amount of people that could go and, and celebrate or, or view the new moon or whatever it was. I mean, it just, there was, a, there was so much to that that there was only a certain amount of people that could do it. Not everybody was worthy to do it. That's what they called it. So not everybody's worthy to go view the new moon and all this. So you think about that. Not everybody's worthy to be raptured with the Lord. Not everybody will be worthy. So there'll be some that are left behind, so to speak. So that's the Feast of the Trumpets. That's the next feast that'll take place that I believe that's, that's what we're waiting on. As a church, I believe that's what the, the Bible refers to probably would be the next, next uh, feast that has yet to take place. Um, feast number six. The Feast of the Day of Atonement, or the Day of Atonement Feast, whatever you want, however you want to word that, is uh, verses 26 through uh, 32. Now, the Day of Atonement was the, the, in Israel, was the one day of the year that the high priest would make a sacrifice for all of Israel's sins. Now, if God accepted that sacrifice, there was no judgment. But if God didn't accept that sacrifice, then there was judgment. He would bring judgment upon the people of Israel if he didn't accept their uh, sacrifice. So that's what it was for Israel back in that day. And there's a whole lot, probably a whole lot more to that sacrifice that I just didn't, I'm not getting into all that. But there's a whole lot to that. But the high priest would go in and make a sacrifice. If it was accepted of God, no judgment. But if it wasn't accepted of God, there would be judgment. So after the rapture, there will be a three and a half years of peace on earth with the Antichrist ruling and reigning over the whole earth. Now, during that time, the Antichrist will, will he'll go up to the tabernacle and he will, he will proclaim that he is God. And he will be in somewhat making a sacrifice saying that he is God. And he will, and that sacrifice, of course, will not be accepted by God. 
and God's wrath will be poured upon the earth, will be poured upon all of mankind and what we would call the Great Tribulation. Now, that's the... That's what's happened. That's the Feast of the Day of Atonement. There, that's the prophetic meaning. Of, the prophetic meaning of the Feast of Day of Atonement is after the rapture, and that's when the Antichrist admits or proclaims that he is God. It will not be accepted. That, that sacrifice will not be accepted. And the judgment of God, the wrath of God, will be poured upon all of mankind. And that would be what we would call the Great Tribulation. So... You don't want to be here then. <laughs> anyway, so get called up in the rapture, if you will. Uh, the, now we get to the seventh feast and the last feast, and that's the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was a joyous feast because the second harvest was coming in, and they rejoiced because God was faithful. Now, they, God had honored their, their, all their rejoicing and honored their their tithe that they had offered up and this is when the second harvest is coming through and they go out and praise God and it it really was commemorating to them that God's faithfulness when they were in the wilderness when they left Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness but God was always with them right it commemorated that this God set up this feast so they would always remember that even in the wilderness, even when they rejected God, even when they doubted God, that God was still with them. He was always there. He was always present with them. And He was with them always, even in the wilderness. So this feast was really to commemorate to them or, or to remind them that God is always with them, even in the wilderness, even when they doubted, even when they, they, they went against God and went against Moses, He was there with them. So that was to commemorate that. But in the Feast of Tabernacles is verse 33 through 44 here. And the Bible speaks of the, of the Feast of Tabernacles. Is, it talks about how that, like I said, he was with them in the wilderness. But the Bible speaks of the Lord living and prophetically that one day the Lord will live among us or tabernacle among us. Tabernacling meaning that he's with us. He'll be living here on earth with us. So prophetically, this is Jesus' second coming. When Jesus establishes his throne on earth and we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. This is a thousand year reign here on earth. And he will be tabernacling among us. So that's the feast of the, the tabernacles. That's the, the one where he'll be here on earth ruling and reigning. For a thousand years. Now that's not now that's not the new heaven and the new earth. But you look at that, if you look at scripture scripturally, seven is the number of completion. So that would complete that would be the completion of this earth. So the new heaven and new earth. Num- the number eight scripturally is uh, really the, in scripture means the beginning of a new beginning. So in, you think you go from number seven, this earth will pass away. Right? This earth will go away. This earth will be no more. And number eight, the new heaven and new earth will come down. I thought it was interesting, and that those were the feasts of the tabernacles, and I, I really didn't, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know how long it would take. It would be more teaching than preaching, but I, I, it was, uh, this is just interesting things, and like I said, there's no way that I took that amount of time and, and, and really got the whole, the whole story. I probably just scratched the surface, like I said, but there's a whole lot to that, and and I don't know. It's interesting to me that prof. I mean, I've been 
I really have been listening to a certain preacher that's doing, he preaches a lot prophetically, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, and I, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was, I was thinking about this today, this morning, I was thinking about it through the week, and I, I got up, got down to the study this afternoon, and I was, I really honestly, I promise you, I got down in the floor on my hands and my own face and said, Lord, please give me something to preach, and <laughs> I was like, I said, I'm not, like I've told you earlier, I don't consider myself a prophetic preacher. And I, I know I'm not, I've not got all the knowledge that, that a lot of people do, and, and woe is me, that's all me. But I pray, Lord, please give me something, something to preach, Lord, please give me something. I don't want to, basically I was saying, I don't want to preach that. I don't, I don't, because I don't think I can, I don't think I can do it justice is what I felt like. And I was and I was praying, I was praying. I got up, opened my Bible, as I opened it to Isaiah, another prophet, you know. I'm like, <laughs> and I couldn't get this off my mind. So I felt like this is the direction that God wanted me to go tonight. And I hope that it maybe maybe it sheds some light on the feast of the Lord over in Leviticus and, and maybe it, it shines some light on, on us and our lives and, and what we can expect because Thinking about the feasts, these feasts that we've mentioned, really, all only thing that's holding him back from the great tribulation, the only thing that's really holding him back from the great tribulation and the thousand-year reign, is the rapture of the church. And you think about the rapture of the church now. Now, when the church gets to heaven, there's going to be this great wedding and great marriage supper of the Lamb. You think about that. That that you think you think about the day that you got married and. Men, how, how you couldn't wait to marry that bride of yours. And how eager you were to be with them for the rest of their lives. You know what I'm saying? And, and women, just think about, probably most, some women probably have been thinking about their mar- wedding since they were able to think about weddings. I believe Josh was telling me, Maddie was asking him Wednesday if the outfit that she had on was good enough for a date. <laughs> and she's how old? Five years old, see? She's already thinking about dating and what she looks good, right? So, and now women, now they're probably thinking, what can't wait to be with a man that's going to provide for them and take care of them and be their forever husband. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. Think about that wedding day, your wedding day. Now you think about Jesus has been sitting in heaven for over 2,000 years. Can't wait till his bride gets there, right? Just think about that. He's... He's on the verge, right? He's ready. He's ready for his bride to come home. Come, come home. Now, think about that. We're, that's the next step, I believe. But, I mean, there's probably some other prophecies that, that are need to take place before then. I'm not, like I said, scratching the surface of prophecies. Don't know everything about prophecy. That's me. But looking at, if you take the timeline of the feast, then this is the next feast that is to take place as Jesus is coming back. Now, in our lives, what we, need to, what we need to think about and what Hayden had to think about Wednesday is, am I ready for that? You know what I'm saying? Am I ready? Am I prepared? Is my heart ready for that? And if your heart's not ready for that, then you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. 
You don't want to be like the foolish virgins that didn't have enough oil. You want to be like the wise ones, the five wise and the five foolish. You want to be the five wise. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You want to be watching and and waiting upon the Lord because He will come. Uh, Behold, He comes quickly, right? So we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. We need to be watching. And, And maybe even as time draws closer, and I think it was... I talked to Bill after church this morning. I think he's talked about he he talked about a little bit. He's been talking about a little prophecy in his Sunday school class a little bit. And then Josh stands up and he preaches a little bit about prophecy. And Lord wouldn't let me get away from it tonight. There might be more prophecy and more prophecy being preached from the pulpit as the as the day approaches, right? So that we can be prepared and be ready for when the Lord comes. So we'll know what to be watching for and what to be looking for as the day comes. I don't think he wants us to be ignorant about those things, as the Bible says. So, I, I don't know, and, and Lord, I hope all the prophecy messages from here on go through Josh, because <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do, but, uh, but as we get a song ready tonight, if you're, you're not ready for that time, if you're not ready uh, for the feast of, of the trumpet, if you're not ready for that trumpet to be sounded, if you're not ready to be raptured up with the Lord, to be with Him forever in, in glory, or forever be with Him forever, then maybe now's the time to prepare your heart, to prepare your life for that. Maybe now's the time. Today's the, the time. Now's the appointed time. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. I was, and April was, got to lead Hayden to the Lord Wednesday, and I'm, I'm glad I have a wife that can do that, you see. But she was, we were talking, or I, I was talking to him when I was on my break at three, three o'clock break at work. And he said, I think I'll just wait till I'm 10. I said, you don't want to wait on what God's calling you to do now. You don't want to wait on that. You want to say yes now. It's like telling God no. You don't want to tell him no to put something off. You want to do it now. You want to do it now. If, you're, if God's telling you to do that now, then do that now. So if God's dealing with anybody's heart to follow him or trusting in Him, do it now. Now's the appointed time. Today's the day of salvation. So, many, oh, let's see, we got a song, everybody? All right, what song should we sing? 345.